1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Guiltiest Charge Podcast, and it's time to talk the quarterbacks of the 2020 draft class. We are aware of the hiring of offensive line coach James Campen and the excitement that comes with it, but we won't be discussing offensive line for a few weeks. Today, it's all about the men they may be blocking for. So here's how it's going to work Jason and Steven are going to rank their top 10 quarterbacks. They'll each take turns going down their list and discussing each as they go. Each of them is grading based on these attributes arm strength, accuracy, deep touch, processor, pocket management, mobility, and decision-making. Whether they get into those number of values they've assigned to each is up to them. Um, but before we get to their third, second, and first-ranked quarterbacks, we'll cut to Steven's interview with Pac-12 analyst Yogi Roth to hear his thoughts on guys within that conference. Then we'll go over Steven and Jason's favorite quarterbacks, who they think the charge will take and when,
4: and a few other ideas. All right, Jason, who's your 10th-ranked quarterback? All right, so number 10, I have Nate Stanley out of Iowa, listed at 6'4", 240. And with Nate Stanley, what you're getting is you're getting a developmental guy with a A-arm talent. Not quite the best arm, but he has something to develop there. He might not have all the awareness and processing that you want from a quarterback, but there's there's something to build upon there. And he was a later addition for me just because there was so much turnaround with my later guys and that ability to develop – Just
5: shot him over the edge for me for top 10. Yeah, you know, the nice thing about uh, Nate Stanley is he comes with a lot of experience. He started, I think, all four years at Iowa, right? Yep. He sure did. All right, so my number 10 uh, quarterback is Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M. He has a really strong arm and is really able to fit throws into tight windows. Uh, If you watch Texas A&M, they run a lot of slants. And part of that is because they have Courtney Davis, who's really good. And he's a great receiver. They're trying to get the ball into his hands. He's so good. He is really good. Light lightning fast feet. Yeah, he really I is. I can't wait to talk about those receivers at a in a later podcast. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Um, getting back to Mond, you know, he, like I said, he has a really strong arm. The touch on deep throws isn't really what you want. Um, it doesn't happen a whole lot either. He doesn't really work the sidelines or the corners of the end zone very often he kind of prefers to work the middle of the field, which is, isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's more about him not really doing those kind of throws. So I don't know with confidence that he can make every throw in the book, but he's big, he's strong, he's very mobile. And uh, he kind of reminds me of a poor man's Cam Newton for a second there.
4: Interesting. What what makes you think he's similar to Cam Newton?
5: Uh, you know, he is, he is a large human being. You know, I don't have his measurables with me right now exactly, but... You know, just his running style, he physically imposes his will, um, really kind of unlike any other quarterback in this class, and he has a, his arm talent more than anything relies on his arm strength, not, necess- not necessarily his touch on deep throws.
4: And that's something we're going to talk about later for sure, is um, we have accuracy rated, ranked a little lower for us, so accuracy does not play as big of a role for us as say arm talent in general, or the ability to throw under pressure. Um, with accuracy, we almost cut it in half just because with these quarterbacks, I have found that if they develop, they can, they can improve on the accuracy over time. Uh, key players for that are Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson type players where you see their accuracy improve over time. And it just doesn't, it's not as big of a factor. And one, one quarterback in particular, who is not the most accurate as you probably are led to believe from media is patrick mahomes um who has a lot of spurts where he's inaccurate like that and so if if a quarterback has enough talent they can overcome accuracy uh so jason real quick i see mond is not in your top 10 so mon was 13 for me uh my favorite number so um i didn't hate him with Mond, I just saw too many limitations. As Steven pointed out, that touch, I just didn't see it. And touch and anticipation are huge for a quarterback. And at the end of the day, I couldn't just ignore that lack of touch and that lack of anticipation with him. I think Courtney Davis bailed him out a lot when it came to those those issues. Um, so those hard slants, those crossing routes, I just didn't see the anticipation there. I just saw fire it in there and hope it hope it sticks.
5: Yeah, and that's a fair assessment. You know, he, his he relies on his arm strength and his ability to just throw a fastball in there and, and get the job done. So, you know, I totally agree with that.
4: All right, so number nine for me is going to be DeAndre Francois, and this is going to be a player that probably nobody has in their top ten for quarterbacks. I get it; he's not the flashiest player. He doesn't have great arm talent. He's doesn't have a good processor. He's lack of awareness is painful to watch at times and at other times he does step up in the pocket very well but the reason deandre francois made my top 10 is because he does have one elite trait and that's not something that a lot of quarterbacks have on this top 10 he's one of the only quarterbacks with an a plus in a category and that's going to be throwing under pressure now deandre francois has a couple traits that remind me a bit of philip rivers actually um if he throws a pick, he's gonna get right back up and he's gonna keep throwing it downfield. And for better or for worse, it's it's he's has that slinger mentality and he's gonna keep he's gonna t- keep taking shots downfield. And that's where that pressure, that ability to work under pressure, comes in really handy. Because no matter where the pressure is coming from, off the edge, up the middle, if it's in his face, if somebody's holding on to his left arm, he can make the throws under pressure into an accurate spot. He might not have the best accuracy in general, but that impact accuracy at the point of
5: being under pressure is phenomenal in my opinion. Yeah, so the obvious thing with Francois that a lot of people I feel like are going to bring up is that he played at Hampton. You know, He wasn't a big-time D1 quarterback. So is there any kind of worry there with the level of competition? Um, There's always going to be some worry. uh, But Jordan
4: Reed gave me advice uh, about a year and a half ago where don't rank the player based off the logo on their helmet. Rank the player based off of the trace you see. And so with Francois, I think that's a big that's a big uh, learning point for me is at first I was looking at that level of competition, and I was, uh, you know, he makes a big throw, and you're like, yeah, that corner's not that good. But at the end of the day, if he makes the throw on a perfect spot, then he made the throw. If there was pressure in his face and he made the throw... Then he made the throw under pressure, and so that's the kind. That's kind of the stuff you have to keep an eye on. If he's throwing an inaccurate football that somebody's just jumping up and grabbing or can uh, get under it because the corner's falling behind, that's different. But with the way Francois played, you could tell that he was above the competition, and that's what you need to look for in those smaller schools.
5: For sure, you know he's really impressive on film for sure. Um, so my number nine quarterback is actually going to be Jake Luton out of Oregon State. So um, close
4: to making my top 10. So close.
5: You know, he he was a late riser for me. I think there's just that c- kind of tendency to judge the helmet like Jason was just talking about. You know, Oregon State has kind of been a, a bit of a laughing stock over the last few years. But he's also been one of the most improved players. And that's something that we look for, you know, in the draft process is his improvement over the three years that he was at Oregon State. Um, he actually started at Idaho and then transferred up to Oregon State. So that kind of says a lot about him as as a person, as a player, too. But the thing that I like to like here is his mental capacity during the game. You know, he really likes to work through his progressions really well. His processor is very good. Yeah, he has a great processor. He, and he can make the throws with anticipation. You know, a lot of the times you'll watch him throw back shoulder passes to, to his receivers like Isaiah Hodgins, and you'll watch him throw over the middle. And, you know, a lot of it is before guys are even open. You know, it's very NFL-esque. He doesn't throw with a super strong arm. He does throw with good touch, but most of his throws are with anticipation. He's very smart, reads the defenses, and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. You know, a lot of times when you're looking at quarterbacks, especially at the college level, you'll see these guys rush into throws or rush into decisions, and, and he is very methodical, takes his time, and takes what the defense gives him, gives him and that's what I really like about him. Yeah, he does not have the
4: strongest arm. I think i gave it a, a B-minus. But that anticipation is there in those decisions and his processor is borderline elite at times where it really, it really surprises you when you turn on the tape expecting, I, I turned on the tape looking at his receiver, Isaiah Hodgins. And immediately I looked at uh, Luton cause I expected the quarterback to to suck. To be honest, that's just what I expected. And to see the quarterback back there making great reads going across the field with his progressions and his process are really working um he might not be the most athletic person he might not have the best arm but man he's smart enough he can he can make it work in the nfl
5: yeah for sure and you know we're gonna say was you know they improved a lot this year they didn't they only won five games but um they were competitive in most of their games which is a huge step up from what they used to be um so jason who is your number eight So
4: my number eight quarterback is actually tied at number seven, and that's going to be Kelly Bryant out of Missouri, listed at 6'3", 225. Now, Kelly Bryant was who Deshaun Watson said would be the guy to surpass him at Clemson, and obviously that didn't happen with Trevor Lawrence, who's an amazing quarterback, um, caused Kelly Bryant to be benched. He He lost the job. Now, Kelly Bryant went to Mizzou, and he gave it everything he had. Anything you could ask from Kelly Bryant, he did at Mizzou. And uh, he might not have the best arm. I think his arm, I hovered between a C plus and a B minus. It just it it wasn't good at all. Uh, but where he really shined was mobility, ability to perform under pressure, his general awareness, and uh, I I think he's just a very average quarterback. And that's why I put him where I did is because there was no category where other than that arm strength where I thought nah he can't do it. He he improvised really well, um, a lot better than he did at Clemson. So, one of the big negatives of Kelly Bryant at Clemson was when his receiver was pressed. He couldn't his timing was interrupted, and when the timing was interrupted for Kelly Bryant, he really struggled to make the throws due to that lack of arm strength. So. Now, when the timing was was perfect, when they played off coverage and his receivers were allowed to run the route, that's when he shined. And it reminded you a little bit of, uh, it's, it's going to sound stupid, but it reminded me a little bit of Tom Brady in college, how that timing needed to be on point. And I'm not comparing Kelly Bryant to Tom Brady whatsoever. I'm just saying that's what it reminded me of. The timing was there. And um, what I saw at Mizzou was he overcame that. And development is key for a quarterback. It's so huge. If you could see a quarterback get better from year to year, it is so huge. And it's a big flag, a good thing. It's a good thing if the quarterback develops in college. The key one being Lamar Jackson. Again, I think I mentioned him earlier. And between that ability to operate under pressure and that development, Kelly Bryant just rose up for me. He he flew up the, the draft board for me.
5: Yeah, I think Kelly Bryant definitely showed a lot of improvement and really it's his improvisation like you said that that gets the gets the job done. Um so my number 8 is uh Tyler Huntley. So if you've been following me for a while you know that I went to the University of Utah. Tyler Huntley is my guy. You know, he is one of my favorite Utah youths of all time. Love him. How dare you rank him at 7? How dare He's you? at 8. He's 8. 8. 8. Yes. See, I'm not the only one. So Jason's high on him too. So you know there is a little bit of bias, but you know I try to be as objective as possible when when really grading him. And again, you know this theme of improvement. That's where Tyler Huntley shines. If you if you want to go back and watch his film from a freshman, you know there wasn't many plays that you could see where he went through progressions that he threw with anticipation that he was able to throw a deep ball with touch. A lot of his plays as a freshman was, all right, my my number one read's not open. I'm going to tuck it and run. And, yeah, he can do that, but his freshman year he also broke his collarbone. So, you know, he he learned from his lesson, and each year he got better. And this last year, if you watched him play, when he had time or even just a little bit of time, he was able to read the defense, take what the defense gave him, and throw with anticipation. He has this throw against Washington. If you follow me, you've seen it. But he has this throw where his slot receiver runs a – a fade like, you know, you see so often and he throws it a good two or three seconds before he's open. And it's just, you know, he dropped it in with great touch. It was perfect. And that's Tyler Huntley this year. Like he really showed that he could throw with anticipation and he really showed that he can go through the defenses and he didn't do that as a freshman. So improvement is why he's up here for me. I knew exactly right when you spoke,
4: which throw you were talking about the, the one against Washington,
5: uh, with pressure in his face too. Yeah. You know, he doesn't handle pressure great all the time. You know, that's the kind of knock that I have on him. You know, there is a lot of plays where he is able to sit there and and kind of take a hit. But, you know, it's it's the times that he gets flustered, gets rattled, where he isn't able to show that. So, Stephen, I feel like
1: you were very high on Tyler Huntley early on. What made him drop for you? Was it the way utah fizzled out at the end of the season or what was it yeah it was i think if you had me you. do
5: this early on you probably would have been around five or six so i did drop him a couple spots um yeah if you watched the texas game if you were on you know that game was really frustrating as a utah fan if you watched the oregon game um he kind of got rattled and kind of went back to his days as a freshman where he didn't trust the line which it was hard to blame him the line didn't really do many favors you know um, Xavier Thibodeau, and again from Oregon, was really in his face all game long in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, so it's hard to blame him, but he did kind of revert back to his old tendencies. So I'm hoping that, you know, with some better coaching, that he'll be able to, you know, keep improving. And, you know, that's what I'm looking for when he's a rookie. Yeah,
4: those last couple of games were definitely rough on him. He definitely was not able to handle pressure as as well as he was prior, which is how I fell in love with him early on, was being able to handle that pressure. Uh, So moving on to number seven, uh, my other quarterback tied at number seven with Kelly Bryant is going to be Justin Herbert out of Oregon, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. I know. I know I already have a couple people yelling at me. They're they're banging their fists against their, their steering wheel or their desk. And I know exactly who they are on Twitter. They're going to they're gonna at me about it. I know it. Uh, they're going to message me. Uh, I know, guys. I know. But Justin Herbert out of Oregon listed at 6'6", 235. Already you're seeing the the positivity there. He's the most gifted quarterback in this class. Uh, I have his arm talent listed as A++. He's mobile. And he has great anticipation. Actually, it was something that um, I don't talk about often when I'm criticizing Herbert on Twitter, and uh, people get mad at me. Um, I actually like Herbert's anticipation a lot. He can, when there's a crosser going across the field, he will make the throw to throw the receiver open, and he will know that the receiver is going to be open. That that part about him, I actually really like. My problem happens once he once pressure hits. There's a big problem there with Herbert. I don't know if he... I wouldn't call it crumble. I wouldn't say he crumbles under pressure. I think the best word for it is hesitates. And um, I don't have hesitate listed as a trait, but hesitation is a real thing where if you see a quarterback hesitate in the face of pressure, it's bad. Especially in the case of where your read might be an out route because you always hear you never want to throw an out route late. And Justin Herbert, he wouldn't throw it, but he would sit there and just look at the pressure in the eye and he wouldn't throw the out route, but he would think about it, but then he wouldn't, but then he'd think about it and then he'd get sacked or make a stupid throw. And, uh, just the general processor on Herbert, the, the awareness overall, um, ability to handle pressure is his sporadic accuracy. Like I said, accuracy isn't a highly ranked thing on my list. But just put it all together, and there's something about it. I'm not not sold on Herbert. And let me clarify now, just because Herbert is ranked seventh for me does not mean I think he'll fail at the NFL level. I think he can do it. I do. And if the Chargers draft him, I am not opposed. I am not going to throw a fit. I'm not going to yell at my TV. I'm going to accept it because he does have the traits there where you can see he can work if he if you get him into a good scheme you get him the right coaching because the, he, the scheme organ did not fit him at all but if you get him into the right situation in the NFL where it's similar to Tannehill on the Titans where you get some play action going you get some crossing routes it can work with that anticipation and arm strength yeah
5: he does throw a nice deep ball given that um but me and you both, we we value how quarterbacks play against pressure, and a lot of that is because we grew up watching Philip Rivers, who was, you know, for the most part of his career, excelled against pressure. You know, I think with Herbert, whenever it comes down, like crumble, like I honestly would use the word crumble. I think he really struggles with pressure, and he does hesitate. You know, he doesn't trust his playmakers, and you know, it's like whenever someone gets in his face, he just reverts back to, you know, high school football where he doesn't know what to do. So I think the question marks about Herbert are solid. I think if you really watch the film, like you'll be able to see what we're seeing. So there's definitely concerns for some concerns for Herbert for the both of us. So my number seven quarterback is uh, Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma. You know the first thing you see when Jalen Hurts, everyone has seen Jalen Hurts. Everyone knows the story of Jalen Hurts and how great of a person he is, how great of a leader he's been. You know I don't know many other quarterbacks that could handle the situation at Alabama like he did. Um, that being said, you know, his arm talent isn't great. He does have a strong arm. He can fit throws into tight windows, but his D-balls are not very good. You know, his touch really is not as as good as you want to see it. You know, that's why I have him at seven. But the positive about Jalen Hurts is that he is a great runner. You know, I could definitely see an offense fitting a, you know, zone read type offense around jalen hurts where he's able to make some plays and and get you 60 70 yards rushing a game so the mobility the mobility for me is really why he's at number seven so
4: jalen hurts is really hard to to peg because he is my number six quarterback but it's kind of misleading how high he's graded here um so he has a 54 out of 80 for me that puts him at six He's 6'2", 218 out of Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, who is this this guru when it comes to finding out how to get the best out of his quarterback. And where the gradings can always, no matter what grades you put, no matter what traits you put there to grade, they will be misleading. Because Jalen Hurts, his arm talent, I would say, is about an A-. He can make deep throws. He has a strong arm. He can sling it. Not with the best touch, as Steven said, but he does have a rocket arm at times. Um, He works well under pressure. Uh, He has good mobility. I wouldn't say great. Um, And his awareness in the pocket is actually really good. I I enjoy watching him work. It's like he has eyes in the back of his head sometimes. Um, Now, the problem where it becomes misleading is his processor is ranked low. His accuracy is ranked low. And his decisions in general are is ranked low. And the other things are great, so it makes up for that. But when you when you look at the bad parts and you put them together, you see why Hertz scares me. And when you put processing problems with decision making problems with accuracy problems, it can get ugly real easily. Um processor alone can get you into trouble but when you add the accuracy to it and the decisions you're gonna see balls sail because he's indecisive you're gonna see uh you're gonna see him make the stupid throw when he's uh when he's panicked but the reason the reason i'm okay with it to an extent is because this dude will develop at the next level he wants to get better and there's there's no trait for drive, right? There's, you can't really grade how much this quarterback wants it, but Jalen hurts wants it. He does. He's gotten better every year. He's been the starter, which again is going back to development. We saw him develop in his last years at Oklahoma or sorry, Alabama. And then we saw him go to Oklahoma and take the next step. And I think if he goes to the right squad, I think the saints are a great fit for him. Even if he falls to the second round of the chargers, that would be a good fit for him. I think he can work. Just give him a little time; it it, it can it can work itself out. He can get better, and uh, it's just because of that that captain's mentality. He he wants it, and I really believe that leadership ability will get him to the next step.
5: Yeah, that's the thing about Jalen Hurts. You know that he is an outstanding person and an outstanding leader. You know that's what you listen to Kirk Herbstreit, and that's all he talks about is his his leadership ability. Yeah, another hard thing about him is like he has CD Lamb and he has Lincoln Riley and like his guys are literally always open. So it's really hard to judge his accuracy and his touch because his guys are literally always open, whether that's because of CD Lamb's talent or because Lincoln Riley is a genius. You know, that's the thing is you turn on the tape and everyone is open on every single play. Yeah, so, for sure. Uh, so my sixth ranked quarterback is Jacob Eason. Um, he's another one that's really tough to rate because there's not a whole lot of tape out there for him because he was hurt. Then he transferred and kind of sit out. And this year at Washington, you know, it's kind of up and down as far as his consistency goes, but man, does he have a talented arm? You know, when he, when he throws it, it just looks good. Like he is able to throw a touch. He's able to throw with arm strength. He's able to throw with anticipation, but his lack of experience really showed this year. And there are these times where he'll face pressure and he'll try and spin out of it and try and be Mahomes and and ends up taking like a 12-yard loss. You know, that happened quite a few times when you turn on the tape. His ability to handle that pressure is not great. And he can run. He's not the most mobile guy, but he can run. But I think sometimes he kind of overestimates his talent in that department where he kind of trusts his legs a little too much. Um. And really, like I said, he throws a beautiful ball, but it does seem like he was trying to show off a bit this year and instead of letting the game come to him naturally and taking what the defense gives him, like we were talking about with um, the Oregon State quarterback. You know, he doesn't really process the defense great, but the arm talent is there. And, you know, that's why he's six. You know, his arm talent is an A, and then everything else is kind of average to below average. Jason, you told me
1: earlier that Eason was someone that was kind of up there on your list but then started to get lower and lower
4: and lower he's not even on your list anymore so what happened um I think that just the flashy play the improvisation grew on me at fast at first um he was kind of that, that guy I expected him to be awful everybody was telling me he was awful and so when I watched him I saw something there and so he he went up my list pretty quick just because of my surprise I think he has a really strong arm. Uh, he, he's aware enough, and uh, he, he makes decent decisions at times. But I think where his problem is, is when he's not improvising, he's not a good quarterback. And it just, uh, Stephen mentioned that sometimes he tried a little too hard. I kind of think the opposite. I think when he tried too hard, I think that's when it just surprised you and it flashed and it worked. And I think when he was asked to be a pocket passer, I didn't like it at all, actually. Just just going through the tape again with a clear mind, thinking, let me reset on Jacob Eason because I like him a lot. I kind of want to take him in the second round. Let me watch him again and see what I like and don't like. And just more often than not, when he was in the pocket, I was just, I wasn't sold at all. I feel like the anticipation I thought was there wasn't there because he wasn't forced to improvise and make the big play. I don't know what what the difference was in his processing when he was out of the pocket versus in the pocket. I think I think you can work with something there. I think he might be a good backup, potentially, but ba- generally you want your backups to be reliable. So there's no telling if he even can be a, a backup. Maybe just uh, that Cardale Jones type where you're maybe waiting for him to work out, m- developing him over time. But I, I guess I just, uh, I'm not sold on him as much as I, as much as I was to initially begin with.
5: Yeah, you know, I think him more than anyone, he needs to sit at least for a year behind someone. Like, I think most of the guys in my top ten, like if they were thrown into the fire, I would feel at least somewhat comfortable that they would be able to get a good enough job done. But Eason definitely needs to sit for a year. It's just his arm talent for me. You know, I think eventually he can really develop into a quality starter and the Cardell Jones comp, like that's actually really good because Cardell Jones, like you barely saw anything of him, but what you saw was a very talented, strong arm. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to take a shot on this guy. So I think Eason probably ends up going in the second round somewhere. Um, But he is definitely a project.
4: You know, I think where I actually lost him, Tyler, I think where I actually lost Eason was when I thought, What if the Chargers drafted him in the second round? Would I be okay with that? And once I started wondering if I would be okay with that, it suddenly became, hell no. Nope, I'm good. I don't want it. It just, it doesn't fit at all. I can't see Eason throwing to Keenan Allen. I don't think it would work at all. I don't, I can't see him throwing to Hunter Henry. I can't see him throwing to Mike Williams really even. There's a lot of anticipation and timing when throwing to those guys that Eason just does not have. And so maybe it's more of a fit that he's just not a good fit for the Chargers at all. Maybe maybe that's more of what it is. But when I think of him in a Chargers jersey, I just
5: don't see it. I don't see it at all. Yeah, uh, just jumping in. I think that's really fair, and I, that's and I think that's a good assessment. That's a good way for people to value quarterbacks. You know, whenever you're thinking of a player, whenever you log on to the draft network and you do a mock draft, you know, really see like, oh, can I see this player as a charger or not? Or if you're a random fan of another team that's listening to this podcast, picture your team, and if you like that player as a fit, go for it. Uh, yeah, and I want to, I want, I want to kind of talk to listeners for
4: a second. If when you guys are sending mock drafts, I know some of you guys uh, DM me mock drafts and stuff like that uh, at me. By the way, that way I can retweet them. I like, I like watching them. I like uh, seeing all the mock drafts come together, finding new players. I just enjoy seeing you guys throw mock drafts at me. Just when you're mocking these guys, try to think, would they be good as a Charger? Do they fit? And uh, I'd I'd be interested to see some of what you guys come up with. All right, so moving on to number five for my quarterback is going to be Tyler Huntley out of Utah. And we already talked about him a little bit. I'm going to just... talk about what I like about him. So he's listed at 6'1", 205. And this was, you You know, we were all three of us from Bolt Beat. This was the Bolt Beat favorite. Everybody at Bolt Beat all of a sudden just grew on Tyler Huntley because Steven brought this electricity with him. He brought this energy where he's just like, guys, I love Tyler Huntley. Everybody love Tyler Huntley. I, lo- I love this guy. Look at this play. Look at this play. Look at this play. And I, 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 you just couldn't help but be sold. Everybody in Bolt Beat was raving about him. So Tyler Huntley for me is a general. That's the best way I can describe him. He's a general. Um, he has good accuracy, good anticipation. Not elite by any means, but they're good. Um, I think he's faster than a lot of people give him credit for. I actually, I actually really like his speed. Uh, there was times where he snuck. He would split defenders because he just kind of startled them. He would make a cut, and then his burst was really good. And I see a lot of people give him like a like a. Like a C plus, like an average above average speed, and I just think that's wrong. I think he's a really fast guy. I gave him an A, and uh, I think he average processor, average decision making, uh, above average arm. But where he really shines is kind of like Francois. He's mobile. He's great under pressure, and he has great awareness. He knows where to put the ball at what point of the game when he needs to make that big play when it's necessary and he will throw with such good anticipation when it's needed of him if there is pressure in his face and nobody on the field is open he will deliver a dime to somebody that wasn't even open when he threw the ball and i just love that about tyler huntley so he's your fifth ranked quarterback but i don't usually see him mocked as like the fifth quarterback where do you think the chargers could grab him so this would kind of imply that he's like a second round guy because I have him above Hertz and Eason, but that's not where I expect him to go at all. I expect him to be like a fifth round guy that a team uh, takes a chance on. There's a lot of guys there like Luton and, and uh, Mond that teams might take a flyer on, but I, I think Huntley is kind of that later round guy because he doesn't have the the true talent. He's not the tallest guy. He's only six 6'1". Um, and if you have a got a six one with a big arm, it's different. Like you got Kyler Murray, who's what five two with a A plus plus arm. Um, so it it can work in that case. But Tyler Huntley is six one with a with a so so arm. Uh, I think fifth round is a good is
5: about where I'd place him. I think I think it's a, about like a Dak Prescott. I was gonna say you know everyone's gonna be looking for like the next Gardner Minshew and the next Dak Prescott and and. You know, of all those guys, Tyler Huntley is ranked highest for each of us. You know, I think... And there's a there's a big difference between Dak and Huntley.
4: And the biggest one being is that I think Huntley performs a lot better under pressure. But uh, give Huntley a good situation. I think if you give him a situation similar to Jacksonville, where there's a lot of crossing routes being run, a decent O-line and a good running game, Huntley will thrive. But I also think that you plug him in on a team and he'll perform there's just there's no trait that's going to limit him if he's the starter from day 1. Um I don't think he should be the starter on day 1, but I think if you're look if you're in the mid rounds and you you're still looking for a quarterback that can maybe start on day 1 due to injury or you just need some maybe you're looking at somebody to develop, maybe you're starting a vet
5: quarterback, Tyler Huntley could be your guy. Yeah, and you know, Tyler Huntley was a three-year captain at Utah, so his teammates loved him. And, and like you said, he's a general. He's a great leader. Um, you know, I think he has a little bit of Jalen Hurts' drive. You know, I think Jalen Hurts' his drive is like the next level of, of motivation. And, and you know, he's just so intense about everything that he wants. So Tyler Huntley has a little bit of that too. You know, he is—he was under recruited. He was a three-star recruit, I believe. And he kind of just really came on on campus at the U and and just uh, took everything right in stride. And he was a four-year starter, so he's experienced, too. All right, so my number five quarterback is Justin Herbert. Um, You know, me and Jason, we kind of share a lot of the same concerns like we were talking about earlier, so I'm not going to get into too much of those. I will say his mobility that he showed in the Pac-12 championship game and the... um, the Rose Bowl was a plus. You know, we didn't really see him do much as far as design runs go. You know, I obviously knew that he could run, but I think they were a little worried about their backup quarterback, so they kind of limited the, the amount of plays that they would give him where he would run. So he is mobile and he can run, and I was pretty surprised at his speed. Again, he's got a strong arm, probably has the strongest arm in the class. It's just the consistency with his decision-making and accuracy that that worries both of us you know a lot of times he has a tendency to just put balls too high which you know I'm really surprised he only had 6 picks I thought he probably should have had 10 or 11 um but those are my concerns and I know that Jason kind of shares those too
4: yeah i just I, there's there's a lot of red flags with herbert and uh we're not going to keep talking we're not going to keep railing on him we're not going to keep going on with just saying i ah, he's bad like i said before i would be okay if the chargers drafted him there's enough upside there there's something to work with there I don't think it's gonna work out. I don't. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it did.
5: He he has what's necessary. Yeah, and you know, more than anything else, like he is talented. This isn't us saying that he's not talented, it's just Insanely talented. A plus plus arm, like I said. Yeah, we just don't love him and you know, just he hasn't shown enough of the the kind of traits that we want to see and, and that's why he's low for us. So um moving on, Jason, who's your number four? I got Tua Tagovailoa.
4: I think that's how you say his name. Out of Alabama. Listed at 61219. And honestly, I would have graded him higher. But that durability, it bothers me a lot. And there's there's more than that of why I have him at listed at number 4. Um I think something that's not talked about with Tua is where the where the development is. I didn't see a lot of development out of Tua from year 1 to 2. Um And it was really hard to grade him because his weapons were running wild. He never needed to make anticipation throws. He never needed it to be too accurate, Um, which, by the way, he is probably the most accurate quarterback you're going to see in the next five years of any class. He's insanely accurate, insanely so. Um, My comp from is actually Alex Smith, uh, just because there's rarely a throw that he is going to miss. Now, the problem here. That accuracy in tight windows, um, you don't know what you're gonna get out of this because Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, and Henry Ruggs were just oh, and then you gotta add Jalen Waddle to it. These guys were running wild. All four of those guys could be first round picks um, if if at the next level. Devontae Smith would have been a third this year, but with another year of development, he I could see him being a first round pick next year. I could see Jalen Waddle being a first round pick. This, this receiving court is so insanely talented. They have a great line. They have a great coach. They have a great culture. Everything went perfect. So it was really hard to watch the film because he never needed to make those big throws. And when the need came that he needed to, it was like 50-50. Sometimes he would do it and sometimes he wouldn't. So it was it was just very confusing at times to watch and be able to grade him. I did not see a lot of development out of him from year 1 to 2 as the starter for Alabama. I just uh, I, and then the injuries with the the ankle and uh I don't know. Lower body injuries are not great for a quarterback to have, especially at the rate that he's had them. Uh what two ankle injuries and a hip. Uh that's that's concerning, especially if you want to draft this guy at 6 let alone higher than that. Because if you want Tua, you're going to have to trade up, I feel like. You're going to need to be in the top five, maybe even the top three. It, teams are going to trade up for these guys because there's there's probably
5: five quarterbacks I would take in the first round this year. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out because there's a lot of quarterback needy teams. They're not necessarily needy, but a lot of teams that could theoretically move up to get a quarterback. Um. Yeah, I think with Tua, like I said, or like you said, I'm sorry, it's it's the health. Like, that's my main concern for him, too. Um, so my fourth quarterback is Jordan Love. Uh, I know who Jason is really high on, which we'll get to that later. Um, I can't wait to talk about him. I'm not going to say anything right now. I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. <laughs> I'm going to have so much energy. It's going to be lit. <laughs> He's clearly excited, guys. Um, but I like Jordan Love mainly because of his arm talent and because of his pocket management. You know, I think he throws a beautiful deep ball similar to how Jacob Eason can sometimes do it. Jordan Love can do it a lot. And you know, I know that everyone's going to bring up his interceptions and his lack of production this last year at Utah State. Um but really if you look at his supporting cast and his offensive line and his coach, you it's can garbage I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was garbage. You know, the coach who was or the coach who was at Utah State went to Texas Tech. You know he's a great coach, and he's really offensive-minded, and you saw that come out uh, in Jordan Love's sophomore year when he threw for thirty-two touchdowns. You know the talent is there; it's just this year he lost ten starters, guys, or nine starters. I'm sorry, he had one starter stay with him, and he had a whole new coaching staff, and he had all it was this his running back, right? Yeah, his running back was the only starter that remained from his sophomore year. So, and so much of playing quarterback really takes time to develop that chemistry with players and. And get them to know, hey, I want this on this play and I want that on that play. And he didn't have that because everyone was brand new. But the thing that you like about Jordan Love is his natural talent. He's mobile, he has really good arm strength, his pocket management is incredible, and he can really throw under pressure. If you watch the Senior Bowl, you know, I don't put too much stock in the Senior Bowl, you know, but you kind of see the traits there. I mean, the Senior Bowl game, obviously, the Senior Bowl week is important, but the actual game is not super important It's an all-star game yeah there's a lot of limited reps in
4: the senior bowl game I, I there was never a moment for jordan love to really show what he has and in the moments that were given to him he he really he really brought it uh in particular that deep ball to denzel mims that a lot of people said oh that was so inaccurate denzel mims did not track that well i love denzel Mims, by the way he did not track it well and jordan love uncorked that ball at what 60 yards on one leg yeah, in the that's, middle of it, like a that's the
5: play I was going to bring up because you you can see that natural talent where he makes these incredible plays out of nothing. And, you know, a lot of people have compared him to, to Mahomes in that sense. And I think that is kind of not fair to either player to compare someone to a player who just threw for 50 touchdowns and an MVP in his second season and then a Super Bowl championship in his third. So I don't think that's a fair comparison, really. But the talent is there for Jordan Love. and You know
4: the comp... You know, the comp I actually saw was uh, con Kaepernick. Uh, I think Kaepernick's a lot faster. And I think uh, Love has a... Yeah, and I think Love is far more accurate than Kaepernick. Um, I think it was Matt Miller that gave that comp. But uh, just an interesting comp. I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but just throwing it out there.
5: Yeah, I think, you know, Jordan Love can run... You know, he showed it off in the senior bowl too, where he had a couple of plays where he scrambled down and
4: he's, a, he's a lot faster than his, than I saw in his tape at the senior bowl. He was probably like a, I gave him an a after the super bowl. He was originally a B for me.
5: Yeah. So he just didn't run a lot because he wants to show off his arm and he wants to, to make these incredible throws. And if you pop on the game against LSU, like, of course he did bad. That was the second game of the year. And it was against the best team, arguably of the decade. So But you saw him roll out a couple of times out of the pocket, escape some pressure, and just drop dimes. You know, that's what you get with Jordan Love is his ability to really just throw it in to the perfect spot. And that's why he's at number four for me.
1: All right, so those are their quarterbacks, ranked 10 through four. But before we get into the top three, we're going to go to Steven's interview with Pac 12 analyst Yogi Roth. Take a listen.
5: All right, Chargers fans, welcome into the second episode for the Guilty as Charged podcast. Um, we have Yogi Roth of the Pac-Twelve Network here with us today, talking about Pac-Twelve quarterbacks. How you doing, Yogi? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. You know, we're really happy to have Yogi on here. Um, you know, this is a it's a big time right now talking quarterbacks for us. And you know, I think the biggest quarterback that we have right now, kind of that's linked to the Chargers, is uh Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Um Yogi, if you could kind of give your impressions of Justin Herbert as a as a quarterback, as a NFL prospect and kind of give us a glimpse of why Chargers fans should be excited to have him linked to the franchise.
2: Yeah, he's, he's fun. I mean, obviously you've presumably lost, you know, an all time great in Phillip Rivers, who I played against Phillip in college, you know, obviously a gifted player and did so much for that program and, uh, you know, two different communities as, as they've moved. But Justin Herbert, uh, you know, similar to him, in college in terms of being just clean cut like there wasn't a lot at least that i could recall like negativity around philip rivers or you never heard like he was about his brand back then or anything like that and justin is is similar you know he's a quiet guy grew up in a tiny town in eugene oregon with the sheldon high school and i can remember like yesterday going to training camp when he was a freshman And they allowed us to interview three quarterbacks in our preseason show. And none of the three were him. And he ended up being a starter that year, played well when he got in. And Mark Kelfrich at the time had told me, hey, he's further along than Marcus Mariota at this stage of his career. He's just a freshman. And this is a guy who got injured in high school, wasn't really big on the recruiting scene. But boy, did he look the part. And at 6'6", almost 240 now after his senior year, uh, everybody gets why he's special. And he's finally been healthy, right? Freshman year I just referenced, sophomore year got banged up, junior year was all right, and then came back after being a projected top ten pick or whatever it was a year ago to, to finish off what he started. And if you're looking for something that'll kind of tell you the ethos ethos of him, just go on YouTube and look at the interview I did with him at the Rose Bowl when a bunch of Rose Bowl legends sent him a message and he teared up because he you know enjoyed his time so much and understood that he wasn't bigger than the program. And he'll do the same thing if he was a Chargers. He'll understand the legacy that he's carrying on. He'll be the perfect team guy. He's got a great competitive temperament to him. He can make every type of throw. He's a dynamic athlete, multi-sport athlete in high school. You saw with him in his last really three games of his career with the zone read game. So everything that's happening in the NFL, Everything that he'd be asked to do, I think Justin will thrive at. And I personally, selfishly, I'd love to have him in L.A. so I could be around the guy.
5: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, when he decided to come back, I think a lot of us were surprised because he arguably was that top 10 pick. But, you know, it seemed to work out for him. As far as, you know, any kind of concerns you have, you know, a lot of people bring up he's he's not super fiery. He's kind of the antithesis of Rivers from a personality standpoint. You know, Rivers is so fiery and so passionate. Any concerns there? I know a lot of people have the have some have some have expressed some doubts about that. Do you have anything of, of that nature with him?
2: I think that's a super generic take, to be honest with you, and and I'm glad it didn't come from you because you do your work. But for people that say that, you're just you're it's too surface level. It's almost like it's cherry picking, you know. Like it's it's very easy. Yeah. It's a layman's take. I've I know him. I think better than every analyst in the country, and. This guy, when you talk to his coaches, his teammates, and I've talked to from, you know, Mark Helfrich to Marcus Arroyo and obviously Mario Cristobal and everybody in between, uh, he's got juice, man. Now, he's not dramatically outgoing like Philip was, I guess you'd say on the field or when he was mic'd up, kind of known for that. Um, he's probably not as, I mean, I don't know how many kids Philip had when he was his age, but, you know, he's at a further stage of life than, than Justin. Uh, yeah. which I think allows for like a different type of maturity. Uh, but Justin is an old soul. Justin, the stage won't be too big for him. He knows when it's his turn to talk. He, to me, the greatest listen- leaders are the are the greatest listeners. That's what he is. Uh, I, I wouldn't call him a recluse. You know, I wouldn't even call him shy. I just say that he's not, he doesn't need a selfie with him and, you know, his, his lunch, you know, like he's just, that's yeah. just not him. Like he's about the work. And, and I think that was a big reason why he came back was not just develop as a passer footwork and all the natural things you, you learn another year around the game, but it was, it was from to develop as, as a guy and as a leader. And as somebody who was, and he grew up in LA, dude grew up in Sheldon at H- Sheldon high school in Eugene. So yeah, I, I think if, if that's a worry uh, for our, every charger fan, like don't don't allow that to consume your thoughts anymore because it's not accurate. You know, he, he won't be the first guy to grab the microphone at the, you know, fan rally, but when he does, because he's the quarterback, he'll impress you. And I think you saw that in the Rose Bowl and as the games got bigger and more media attention was there, it wasn't as though he crawled in a hole and didn't want to be interviewed. You know, he just didn't beg the cameras to track him down.
5: Yeah. You know, those are great points. And the story about him as a freshman was really interesting. Um, personality-wise, you know, one of the telling things from the scene goal for me as a Utah fan is right after the game was over, I saw Francis Bernard, I saw Terrell Burgess, I saw Lucky Foto go right up to him and, and, you know, just kind of chat him up, which, you know, that was, that was an interesting thing to see from guys who had gone against him in the Pac-12 title game and unfortunately lost, but, you know, that's another story for another time.
2: Well, it's um, a good I, point. I mean, if, if you said, Yogi, who's the, been the most respected player by their peers, Right, like if they, they they have an award in the in the West Coast in the Pac-12, best offensive defensive lineman that's voted on by the players. Uh, yeah. If they had that at other positions, Justin Herbert would have been voted for, just like Christian McCaffrey would have won it, just like Marcus would have won it. Like he's in that conversation of the respect that he earned from peers around the conference.
5: Yeah, that's huge. Uh, so I do want to move on to my guy Tyler Huntley. You know, for those of uh, our listeners who don't know, I am a Utah University of Utah alumni. Um, I went to bat for him, but so did Yogi. You know, I was so happy to see all the times when you were mentioning him belonging in the Heisman conversation. Um, Why did you feel so strongly about Hunley as as a player? Well, the definition of the Heisman,
2: and and I'm a proud Heisman voter, is integrity with excellence. And the, the player who exhibits that, the best in college football. And he did. Right. Another guy who got his degree, another guy who took a program to another level. And a guy who did it extremely efficiently, and and that's what I love the most. I've been tracking him his whole career. I remember when he signed from Hallandale High School in Florida. You're saying, "Why is this guy coming to Utah?" You know, he's state. You know, people I think because he was at Utah think that Tyler Huntley like came out of nowhere. He was the Florida Gatorade Player of the Year, right? That's way different than like Idaho's Player of the Year, right? It's on par with California and Texas in terms of type of football he led his team. Mm -hmm. I think he led him to the state championship game. Uh, A fiery personality uh, comes with a chip on his shoulder. And from Aaron Roderick, who was his first position coach, um, Dennis Erickson, who recruited him, to Andy Ludwig, every person who was was coordinator this past year, raved about his football acumen and his understanding of the game and his intellect around offensive progressions and reading defenses and getting any good or bad plays. And you saw that. And I was there in spring, you know, last April and doing their spring game. And he's in the line of scrimmage, sounding like he's mic'd up, you know, in Andy Reid's offense, you know, or Aaron Rodgers in the West Coast system, changing things to the line of scrimmage. Like he wasn't just a guy playing catch, which a lot of quarterbacks do. He played the position of quarterback. And that's what impressed me the most. And, And he did it in the zone read game, in the RPO game, in the quick game, and then in the drop back passing game, the play action game. And I just was impressive. And, and if you want to have some fun, like go back and look at his junior year under center and his stance and then go watch him last year. And he just looked like a quarterback. And I think that was the biggest takeaway I had from his senior year was it took him a while, but he ended up really looking like a drop back passer at times. And he mm-hmm. won't be an early guy by any stretch, but wherever he goes, uh, I would be surprised if he did not make a team. And, uh, and I think he should be on the radar for a lot of teams with, with what he can do. And I don't think he can come in and start right now. Like there's a learning curve, like everybody, but I don't think he's just like a really good athlete who played a lot of, a, a lot of football in college.
5: Yeah. You know, his development was, was a pleasure to watch as a, as a Utah alum. And, you know, I remember even when he was a freshman as this skinny kid from Florida, you know, he would make these plays with his legs and you're like, you know, this is a real athlete out there. You know, his progression as a pure passer, it was, it was really impressive to watch this year. Agreed. So the next quarterback I kind of want to ask you about is uh, Stephen Montez from Colorado. I think, you know, he didn't get a lot of hype this year. You know, unfortunately, they didn't have a, as good of a season, but he did go to the senior bowl. Um, what are some characteristics and attributes that you have seen from Stephen Montez that you like?
2: Well, he's got something. He's got unique traits. You know, I'm going to go see him work out next week. He's training uh, with Jordan Palmer in, uh, in Orange County. And he's all a six five. He's all a two thirty, probably a little bit more. You know, he's 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 played a lot. You know, I called the game as a redshirt freshman when they beat Oregon, and that was the turnaround in Colorado's program. They ended up winning the Pac twelve South that year, and that was, you know, unfortunately for Mark Helfrich, the final year of his career at Oregon as the head coach. But Stephen Montz is a big reason why um, Colorado had a you know turnaround that was unexpected, and he did it coming in for a senior quarterback in Cephal Lufau, and subsequently he's been a four-year starter. I think out of all the guys um, that aren't projected in the first round, he's got the highest ceiling because of his natural tools and his unique traits. Uh, his unique traits are his size and his ability to move in the pocket. Uh, he can get the ball and push it downfield. He's he's shown every single throw. I think mechanically, and he would tell you this, the biggest thing that he has worked on throughout his career He's climbing in the pocket. You know, he, the phrase they use at Colorado on campus is, can you push through the smoke? You know, can you climb through the craziness, the the hectic nature that is the pocket when a defensive lineman is rushing and the offensive line is trying to protect it? and, you know, an oval of sorts. And he naturally, as an athlete, would retreat at times. And he worked on that. And you go watch him on tape, and it's a big emphasis. Clearly you have to do that in the next level. But this is a guy who uh, can flick the ball all over the yard. I mean, he really can. He can do it with ease, uh, mechanically. I don't think he's uh, flawed as a passer. I think he's a real natural passer. He's a natural competitor. He went from the highest of highs, which was the game I referenced as a 19-year-old, to you know struggling as a junior and you know getting pulled in a game, to this year and having a new head coach and, and another offensive coordinator. So I'm a, I'm a fan of him. Got to know him and his family since he was you know a redshirt freshman. Uh, coming out of el paso and and i will i'll get on the table for him as someone i think as well will find themselves on a roster next year in the nfl
5: yeah that's good stuff you know i've been really impressed with his arm strength and and like you said he can make every throw and, and and those tools are impressive for sure um so there are a bunch of other quarterbacks in the conference that are in the draft this year you know you have um jacob eason obviously and and jake luton from oregon state and anthony gordon and I think a lot of teams are going to be looking at the success Gardner Minshew had with the Jaguars and kind of thinking, you know, I'm going to try and find me this sixth, seventh round pick that can potentially be a starter. If you had to pick one of those from the Pac-12 Conference quarterbacks, who would that be?
2: Hmm. That's good. That's a good question. Um, I think all the guys you referenced, Jake Luton, um, you know, even Khalil Tate, you know, the type of athlete that he is, Anthony Gordon that, that you referenced, we talked about, you know, Herbert already, of course, uh, and Tyler. I think all of them have some unique traits in a different way. Of course, Jacob East and Justin Herbert, I think you can kind of couch them similarly. I, I think the guys that are probably most ready right now are the, the you know, obviously Jake, um, Justin Herbert would be that guy. But I look at the other guys and to your point of, like, who could come in, be a backup, and if somebody got hurt, like, survive in the Shark Tank, which is the NFL. Um, I might say, I don't know. Part of me wants to say Anthony Gordon because he can deal. Like, he can get the ball out on time. He can hit spots. He can really be a location-oriented passer. Um, he doesn't have dramatic arm strength, neither does Gardner Minshew, uh, but he's got arm talent which Gardner did as well. Uh, I think Gardner's a tough comp because his intangibles were as impressive as I've seen in terms of his infectious ability to connect with teammates, be malleable within different systems, you know, be about the work, but also have a fun persona and not, you know, allow the NFL to weigh him down, which it can happen at times. So I don't know. I, I think all those guys I could see him having a role like Cleo, will be probably the most interesting guy for me. Like, the teams try to make him Denard Robinson? Do they try to use him like Baltimore, uses Lamar Jackson at times? Like, is there a package for him like they use at the Saints? Because he is a freaky athlete. Um, So that'll be kind of fun for me coming out of the Pac-12. Gordon will be cool just because he can deal. Like, he's the guy that, just like he did at the Senior Bowl, he wouldn't be shocked in week three or four of the preseason. He goes off because I think he can. I think he's that type of dude. Uh, And then I look at, like, if you think of Josh Allen, I remember when he played early um, and was still kind of rough around the edges, but physically gifted. Like, is that Jacob Eason? You know, a guy that, you know, built a little differently, but he's gifted, man. Like, he'll go to the combine, and he'll get his pro day. He'll throw it as well as everybody, right, including Joe Burrow. Like, the dude, he can he can deal. Uh, he's a guy that I think, you know, reminds me a little bit of Mark Sanchez in terms of, wish oh, she came back because he really only played, you know, one year, at least as of late of college football. I only played as a freshman, but then sat for a while. So I think the, the league will get impactful players to their roster and kind of look up and down the quarterbacks that have left the Pac-12 this year.
5: Yeah, for sure. You know, Khalil Tate is definitely an interesting one. Um, I feel like he kind of wasn't able to play to his strengths this year and really was trying to do too much sometimes, but you know, it's understandable considering his situation. Um, you know, kind of just listening to all those names. I'm realizing that there's a lot of quarterbacks leaving the conference and going to the NFL. So that means that I assume that there's going to be a lot of young guys, uh, in the conference. Do you have any kind of sleeper pick or I know it's, you know, far out, but do you have any kind of young guy that you really like that you really encourage as far as his future potential in the conference?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, I think this conference this year, which is at signing day, um, yesterday you know regarding when we recorded this at least and th- there's a lot of fun things happening at the quarterback position because at least projected starters for next year would say that every one of the starters next year will come back for another year and we went back in history and, and that never really happened there's always one guy that would leave go to the league etc so you're looking at like if i went across the board grant cannell jayden daniels chase Garbers, we'll see who gets the job at colorado Tyler Shuck, I projected Oregon, Tristan Jebby at Oregon State, Davis Mills at Stanford, Dorian thompson robinson at UCLA, Keenan Slovis or JT Daniels at SC, Utah, I'd imagine it would be Jake Bentley or Cam Rising in the transfers, Washington one of three players, and Wazoo one of three uh, that are competing for it right now. But among those players that I am – there's a lot that I'm excited about. I think the future of this conference, that position is loaded. But Tyler Shuck is someone who's not really known. Uh, and he, he's a shark. Like, this is a dude. You reminded me of Jared Goff coming out of high school. Uh, he did the thing that nobody really accepts anymore, which is to go to a place, sit and learn, but also compete and grow, which he did at Oregon behind Justin Herbert, as we referenced. Different personality type than Justin Herbert. Uh, but I think – I believe that's the healthiest way to play the position is to not play too early. To play when you're ready to thrive, and and that's his deal. Like he's ready to thrive. He's been on campus for two years, and probably you know sat for one more year than he anticipated. But I think he'll rip it, as as me, as I think Davis Mills will. You know, all the hype will be Jaden Daniels and Keaton Slovis, rightfully so, heading into the season. But Davis Mills, Tyler Shuck, uh, should be equally represented, at least from an insider standpoint. Understand what the conference is about because they're elite passers they they really are and they're impressive kids so our young men so I'm, I'm looking forward to them but I'm probably mo- most looking forward to this position more than any in, in the entire country in college football on the west coast because like I referenced they're all coming back for another year so can you imagine that you know, after game 6 everybody'll be seasoned and then we get another you know season and a half of the same faces you know knock on wood injury free hopefully at every team at the conference, which is just kind of fun for, for an analyst.
5: Yeah. you know, I think the conference is in a re- has been in a really good place quarterback wise. And I think it will be in good hands in the future. All right, Yogi. So uh, if you would just please drop your information where chargers fans can find you. I know you have the podcast as well. So just uh, let everybody know where they can find you.
2: Yeah. Well, first off, congratulations on what you're doing and, and wishing you the best of luck. It's going to be a really fun team to track in LA with a new stadium and uh, I, I love uh, everything about that organization. been around some of your coaches uh, with the Chargers for a while. Good good people uh, all over that organization. Uh, but for me, you can hit everything up um, at yogiroth.com or at yogiroth on social media. Got my podcast, The Yogi Roth Show. Um, and I'm always on the Pac-12 Networks talking college football, trying to bring you guys uh, and anybody really just, just different insight that, that has some depth around this conference for people that love West Coast football and uh and want to learn more about it so any any thoughts ideas ways to get better i'm always open for them and i, and I love having conversation around the game so just hit me up on, on pretty much all social media platforms
5: awesome yogi thank you so much and again chargers fans if you're interested in pacto football make sure you can give yogi a follow he is the best in the business for sure um, all right that's going to do it for the interview yogi thank you so much you got it brother
1: All right, Stephen, great interview, and thank you, Yogi Roth, for your time. Now, the top three. Jason, start us off.
4: All right, so my third quarterback is going to be Joe Burrow, and this is going to be controversial as heck. I know. And again, let me just reiterate, I do not – these are not – these don't indicate whether or not I think that these guys will work out or whether or not I think he'll actually be the third best. I think Burrow is going to be day one the best starter in this class and uh he's gonna i mean he's going to the Bengals, so he's starting on day one unless for some reason andy dalton is their guy i i i don't want to even imagine that happening but i could see it because they're the bangles so who knows but um i did I, burrow is gonna be accurate he has a great processor He's mobile he's a lot faster than you would expect once you turn on the tape he makes he has these runs where he goes zero to 60 like in the snap of a finger um, so fast and uh, he might not have the the long speed but he has the the quick burst to get out of the pocket to get moving to great mobility and um, that processor and that accuracy that anticipation is gonna work great. For Joe Burrow it's going to be fantastic to watch him I'm a little scared to see him at Cincinnati I do not want to see him ruined I do have him ranked as the number three guy just because I think there's two guys with more potential than Burrow Um, but I really like what I see I think day one Burrow is the best starter and I do think that he wins rookie of the year
5: yeah and you know Burrow might be the only day one starter really in this class because a lot of these guys you know too has the health injuries and and, you know, Jordan Love, depending on the situation that he goes into, he might be sitting for a year. Um, the thing with Burrow, like, he really is – he's another hard one to to place because he came out of nowhere. Like, I remember watching him at LSU last year, and I thought he was good. I didn't think he was throw for the most touchdowns in SEC history good, but then he came out and did that. So, you know, there's some question marks there as far as what happened. is Joe Brady just that much of a quarterback whisperer that – that he turned Joe Burrow into the best quarterback ever, like best college quarterback ever I should say. So there's some definite questions there and, and you know, I don't hate that. So my number three is Jake Fromm. And for some reason he has like this negative connotation around him that people don't love him. Um so I don't really I, I personally do not understand it. You know, when you watch him he has great touch, he has great anticipation. Um he is a very smart decision maker and he's just he has con- a good arm. He does have a good arm. You know, people think that he's just not talented because he didn't sling it at Georgia, but that's more of coaching and system for me. You know, I I don't think he had more than two games in his career where he had to throw the ball more than 30 times. You know, off the top of my head, that's just kind of a guess. But he does have a good arm. If you follow me on Twitter, I've tweeted a bunch of uh, clips from him where he throws with anticipation, he throws it 30 yards downfield, he can throw the back shoulder fade. He can make all the throws, I promise you he can. It's just people don't. They haven't seen it enough because the system at Georgia really limited his upside there. Um, But my main thing with him, really, it's his calm demeanor. He handles pressure so well. He never gets rattled. You know, I think he had that one really bad game against South Carolina, but you know, I kind of looked past that just because it was, it was more of a, an anomaly. Um, but he really is – he's calm, he's cool in the pocket, and he can make all the throws, and, and you know, I'm a big fan of him.
4: Yeah, I think – where he really shines is um off, pl- off platform uh anticipation nobody's open he has pressure nearing him he has alignment backed up against him he- he'll make the throw over the defender in the perfect spot great touch great anticipation and um this is perfect because i have him as my number two guy so we're already moving on to jake from again and um he, he does shine in all, everything above the shoulders is perfect with Jake Fromm. I think he does have a little more accuracy issues than people think. I think um, there were certain times where a, a throw sailed on him or he, it went into the dirt. Um, it can be fixed. It was more of a technical issue. But um, great anticipation, great decision making, great processor, great awareness. Like Hertz, I think he has eyes on the back of his head because he just knew when pressure was coming. And um, he, he can run in kind of when the opportunity arises. It's not like he's bad. He can definitely pick up a first down if you need him to. Um, And I don't understand. I really don't understand. And I've had so many arguments about this. Why people think he doesn't have an arm. I, I, I've i seen him make throws off the right hash on, to the left sideline, 15 yards downfield on an out route or a comeback route, and it's perfectly placed, um, great decision, and it got there with Zip. He he split defenders at times, threw into tight windows. I, I don't know where that came from. I think it was more of like a, a mentality of, oh, well, everybody else says his arm isn't great, so I'm going to assume that, or whether people just saw the Georgia offense and noticed that he never threw it downfield and took that as, well, that must mean he not doesn't have a good arm. But he has a good arm. I'm not saying it's elite. I'm not even saying it's great, but it's solid. He can he can make the throws necessary at the NFL
5: level. There's not a route I wouldn't give him. Yeah, I, I promise you, if you turn on the tape for JoJo, you will see the arm talent. Like it's there. It just didn't happen a whole lot because of his coaches. Um. So my number two is Tua, and you know I have the same kind of concerns. You know his health really limits him. Um, or has limited, I should say, you know we're hoping for some good news medical wise in the next few months. I think at the combine, you know that's gonna be really telling. I don't know if he'll run or throw or anything, but you know he's gonna have medical interviews there and I think that's gonna be a big step for him. The where TuA excels for me really is his footwork and his ball placement and his processor. You know, if you watch him play, if you watch the tape, you'll see him th- go through his reads. And he'll make a snap decision and he'll he'll get that ball out quick and he'll sling it. The problem in his play is I think he kind of tries to force things too much to his teammates. Like I think he kind of has a little bit of a point guard's mentality where he knows like if his guy's not getting going, he kind of tries to force it in there for much. Like he's like, oh, Jerry, like he needs these touches. And so he kind of just slings it in there without necessarily reading it. So I don't know if that's necessarily a coaching thing. Or if that's just him trusting his talent and his guy's talent. But you know, you watch the tape and you see he's a quick twitchy quarterback. He gets the ball quick and you know, there's a lot to like, it's just the health concerns are there. You know,
4: out of any quarterback we've talked about so far, I think Tua is the pick I'm most against and it's not because of his ability at all. It's because I'm not sold on taking a quarterback at six who is now your, the future of your franchise who might be a fragile there, it might be freak injuries. It might be. It might just be by chance. But can you risk it at such a high pick? I mean, the talent is there that makes you want to risk it. But at the same time, that can be dangerous, and it can mess up your franchise pretty bad. Well, the Chargers are very
1: lucky. I mean, they had Rivers for since 2004, well, 2006 when he started. I mean, so I can't imagine them going for a quarterback who's fragile all of a sudden and puts up so much
4: injury risk um after well assuming they move on from rivers well rivers has this ability to absorb the souls of his star players <laughs> and get them hurt so that he lives on i don't know if tua has that same ability i would assume not because his team was very healthy around him and uh philip rivers team just crumbled so because it, so what you're saying is like,
5: rivers is a monster
4: yeah yeah pretty much rivers is some sort of vampire out of the witcher it's just (laughs) he he absorbs the souls of his teammates to live on forever um he doesn't even look like he's really aged that much either so
5: it's pretty concerning (laughs) all right jason well let's wrap this up with your number one quarterback
4: it's Jordan Love, everybody. It's Jordan Love. I, I wanted to talk about this so bad. He's been How he's I been
5: itching to. at this all episode long, guys. He's been so all excited day for this
4: long. I've wanted to talk about Jordan Love all week long. I've been been quiet, I mean, people know I like Jordan Love, but I love Jordan Love. He is so good. All right, everybody assumes that because he has such this high ceiling that his floor is low, and it infuriates me love has a high ceiling and his floor is not that low both things can be true i i need to calm down a little bit i just need to tone this down and i need to talk and i need to think about things so he's often called a boomer bust prospect and i get it when you see the interceptions 17 i try not to look at stats but it's inevitable people are going to look at that 17 interception stat and go pass and I get it, I do. 17 interceptions is a lot for a college season. That is not great. The problem and the hard part with judging and uh, evaluating Love is that those interceptions didn't tell the story at all. The stat did not tell a story at all. So with Jordan Love, there was a lot of first-read interceptions, quote-unquote read interceptions quote unquote read because he wasn't really asked to read on those plays. they were they were RPOs or they were predetermined routes based on the coverage that he would be told to throw. So with love, it was it was hard to judge his processor because he was rarely asked to use it. and which is really weird because he had such a good processor and I, I don't know I know it's weird to people when I tell them this. I always answer with this when I talk about Jordan Love people ask me how can somebody who threw 17 interceptions have a good processor and I always have to answer well it's because once he got past that first read and if you if you watch film if if you have a hobby of watching film I want you to go watch Jordan Love and get past the first read the second that the play fell apart I want you to watch Jordan Love's processor work and I actually think Jordan Love has the best processor outside of Joe Burrow in this class. And it's weird to say because of those 17 picks, but once he gets past that first read, watch how fast he goes sideline to sideline with his reads and finds the open man. As soon as the play breaks down, watch his press processor work, watch his throws with anticipation, watch his accuracy most of all. He had, he might be more accurate than Burrow or m- not more accurate than Tua. I think Tua's by far... The most accurate quarterback I've seen in a while, but with love, there were there was rarely a throw he missed, just because of bad accuracy. It had to do with footwork at times or uh, pressure. Whether whether it was him getting sacked or whatever the case may be, he is a very accurate quarterback. And I had his I have his speed listed as a B here. But as I said, after the Senior Bowl, watching him is—he has another gear that he didn't show off this season, and I liked it. I liked it a lot. He—he he had this this play where he shifted between the tackles, and then he he got the first down off the left edge, and I was, I was already in love with Jordan Love, and now I'm just I'm like a fan. I'm so giddy. I want to draft Jordan Love. Jordan Love's my pick. Now I'm skip everything. I want Jordan Love. The Jordan Love at six. Jordan Love at six. I'm pounding my desk. Jordan Love at six. Just. I hope everyone can hear how giddy he is. I hope that's conveyed. I'm, I'm so this. excited. I want Jordan Love, and I saw a mock draft today where they took Jordan Love, and there was reports all uh, Senior Bowl week that Jordan Love had leapfrogged Justin Herbert on the Chargers board, and I'm just I'm so excited. I'm like I'm shaking. I give me Jordan Love. I'm ready. Do it.
1: So how much of what you guys saw in 2018 did you take into account?
4: Um I I there was so much growth in 2019 in a way because despite the poorer stat line compared to his 2018 sorry, his 2018 season, I think he did develop in 2019 in a lot of ways. Um I think once the play broke down, he was a lot safer. And again, those 17 interceptions, everybody's going to wonder, what What do you mean he's safer, those interceptions? I just think once the play broke down and the talent around him was so... I'm not even going to say it was bad. It was abysmal. It was the worst. He had, he had probably one of the worst supporting casts in college. It was, it was sad to watch. But at the same time, it was so special to see him overcome it. And um, so when I watched the 2018 t- tape, obviously I was impressed. I... I liked Jordan Love prior to this season. I wasn't, I thought he would be like a second round pick, maybe a third round pick. But after watching this season, I'm sold. Give him to me a six. I, I, I want the Chargers to take him at six. No later. I don't want him to trade back. I don't want to risk it. I think he's going to be a top 10 pick already if the Chargers don't take him there's not going to be an opportunity later to take jordan love take my word for it i know people are saying trade back into the first late at pick like 30 or 29 or whatever and yeah, he's take not jordan be there. love then no he's, he's not, not. the 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 hype that uh, that we've been hearing that i've been hearing there's going to be a team to take him in the top 10 it's going to happen
5: yeah we we pretty much know that the Bengals are going to take a quarterback and one of the dolphins or the chargers will take a quarterback so, Lions
4: as well are rumored to
5: be interested yeah. in a quarterback. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is you know, we know at least two teams in the top seven are going to take a quarterback, and then you have the Lions who could take a quarterback, and then you have the Panthers, Carolina. Who, yeah, we know that um, Rule really likes to tear things down. So you know, in a couple of weeks, we're going to find out if Cam Newton is on the team or not. So you know, they're a wild card as well, and and if the Chargers don't take a quarterback at six, that's a huge risk because then you know that the Panthers probably will will take a quarterback. And if not, then the Colts probably might take a quarterback. The Raiders could take a quarterback. You never know. Like there's a total possibility that you get to the second round and you're left with Jalen Hurts and that's it. If that, so there's a big risk there Joe, for sure. Joe Brady is the
4: new offensive coordinator for Carolina, right? Yep. And then Matt Rule. If you think for a second they're not going to take Jordan Love. Ooh. Yeah. I, I think, I think the Panthers are going to grab him if the chargers don't. Yeah. Maybe, so. maybe they'll like Herbert. I doubt it. I think, I think they're going to, I think love is going to be that flashy pick that, uh, that teams are going to start to fall in love with.
5: Yeah, I agree. So, uh, ending this rankings, you know, my number one quarterback is Joe Burrow. Um, you know, we saw how productive he was. We saw how just this swagger that he played with this year when everything was rolling and, and you never had any doubt that he was gonna come out and he was just gonna sling it. Um his pocket presence is great. His anticipation and touch on the ball is great. His arm strength, like he can sling it, but I don't his arm is not as strong as Justin Herbert or Jalen Hurts. But you know, he can fit them into the tight windows for sure. Um really more than anything, the thing I like about Joe Burrow is his almost point guard ability where he knows just where to put the ball and he knows when to get it out and he'll get it out quick. Um, yeah. So Joe Burrow is my number one. And yeah, you know, I, I think there is some debate there, but you know, I think because of Tua's risk his health risk. I think Burrow in, ends up as my number one.
4: Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of assumption that it's not a competition that Jer- Joe Burrow is the clear number one guy, but There were some reports that the Bengals really liked Justin Herbert, and I don't think it's true by any means, but I think there's definitely a conversation to be had. All right, so that's
1: their top 10, and obviously neither list matches the other exactly. We got Burrow and Fromm in in their top three. Easton makes Stevens' list, but doesn't even make Jason's. All right, so I'm going to go back to your rankings. I'm going to name some of these quarterbacks, and I want you to tell me simply yes or no. Do you take them sixth overall to ensure that you get through your guy if you're the Chargers? Here we go. Stanley, no. Francois, no. No.
4: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Six overall. Oh
4: no, not not six. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah, six six overall. That's
1: first pick, just to ensure they get their guy. All right, Herbert. No. No. Okay. Would you trade back into the first for him? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right, Bryant. No. All right, I don't think. I doubt it's Mon Luton or Huntley. No, you guys did like a fifth
4: round. No, Huntley? no. All right, Hurts. No, not happening. No. Okay, where would you take him?
1: I would take. Hertz I would take Hurts in
4: the yeah second round, yeah, late okay. second, not even an early second. I would probably trade back in the second for him.
1: Okay, Stephen, would you take Easton sixth overall? No, no. Okay. No. All right. God no. That would be, that would be bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tua. Yes no no okay why not
4: uh just durability i'm not sold on taking a franchise quarterback that has durability issues okay fair enough Nothing to do with his skill set just fragile i don't okay so i'm gonna guess
1: burrow from and love you guys are cool with at six yes
4: no burrow no from give me jordan love (laughs) that's the only answer jordan love is the answer at six there is no Burrow. There is no From, There is no Tua. Nothing.
5: <laughs> you just want just, just love. Hey, this is, this is great timing for Valentine's Day. You just want all the love.
4: <laughs> yes. I want all of the love. I'm going to make a Valentine's uh. card about Jordan Love. I'll post it on Twitter. Keep, keep, keep your eye on Twitter. There will be a Jordan Love Valentine's Day card. Give it to your significant other. She'll or he'll love it. Okay, so you guys talked about taking Huntley in the fifth round. They just took a quarterback in the fifth round, Easton Stick. That
1: was last year. How many of these guys would you rank over him?
4: All of them. <laughs> I know that seems pretty bad to say. I look. I like Easton Stick. I do. I, I actually do like him. I think he's a good athlete. They had him taking reps at safety in the middle <laughs> of the season. Yeah, he's not. I don't. I don't think it's gonna happen, guys. I know you guys want to see Easton Stick. I know you get. I know a lot of people want to see Tyrod Taylor. I want to see Tyrod Taylor. I'm not gonna lie. If if they take a quarterback at six, I'm okay with Tyrod Taylor starting for a couple weeks until Jordan Love overtakes him. But um, I just, Easton Stick—he's fun to watch, but he had a lot of trouble with his processor. He had a lot of trouble with accuracy. He hesitated way too much. Um, and Rivers has often said that he's not okay with uh, mentoring a young quarterback. So I doubt there was much happening there i i don't think it's gonna happen yeah maybe he'll surprise me but
5: so I, I was okay with taking easton stick um the the pick the placement of the pick was a little bit confusing i thought he probably would have been there in this even in the seventh round last year um i i could maybe make the case that he would be my number 10 i think can maybe squeeze him in over Kellen mond um but the reps set safety really is is concerning like I'm all for trying to get like the next Taysom Hill type player that can do a little bit of everything on offense and play quarterback, but the the switching him to safety is, is is concerning. And if he switches positions and ends up as a safety, like great, you know I hope he has a good career. But yeah, I'm concerned about Easton Stick for sure. Can we just start this Easton Stick for safety?
4: Let's go. I want it to happen. Let's do it. You playing the um, strong or free? Um, I'm not. I would say strong, but okay. I'm not going to name the reason why because it's a little mean. Was
5: he? Was he a, a both sides player in high school? I, he probably was. Probably I'm sure.
4: He was. I don't know. Um, I I didn't mind the Easton Stick pick. So, I have the philosophy that you should take one quarterback a year, no matter what, no matter how set you are at the position. You need yeah. to take a quarterback a year. The Patriots are really good at it. They they stack up on quarterbacks. They develop them really well, and then they trade them for great picks. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I saw the Easton stick selection is if it works great, we have somebody to trade in the future. If it doesn't, whatever, it was a fifth round pick. So be it. Um, And I think Easton stick can work in some, some place. Um, I don't know that Hunter Henry, is going to be, there's no telling if he's going to be a charger. I know they've been questioning about putting the transition tag on him. And Hunter Henry has his injury issues. So if they, if they feel like they need some gadget plays out of Easton Stick in a similar way to uh, Taysom Hill, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I think it could work. And then that just boosts up his trade value even more. Um, and so I'm not opposed to the Easton Stick selection. I think Easton Stick is a great athlete, a great football player. I just don't know that quarterback is his position. I actually kinda liked his tape in college, but I just the the ten quarterbacks that even Steven even Steven uh named um I just there's there's nobody I would put Easton Stick above. Maybe I would put him above Mond, maybe. Um, but I don't I don't think so. I there's even my number twelve quarterback who is jake luton i would take over i would take over easton stick in a
5: heartbeat yeah we also don't know how much uh easton has developed you know this year you know you mentioned the rivers mentoring but he's had a year of nfl coaching he's had a year of nfl reps and practice so you know we'll get a a little bit of a a glimpse and if he comes out at safety once we go to training camp and and then then we know like okay it didn't work out so I would love to draft a quarterback at six. I mean, I would hate it,
4: but and then Easton Stick to just outperform him. <laughs> it's just that would be a nightmare for me. Just if, the number six ends up being the third stringer. Yeah, you got Tyrod, and you have Easton Stick as the starter. Then Tyrod Taylor. Thing is, if if they if the team really believes in Easton Stick, if they saw something developed there, they're not going to take a quarterback at six. I don't think they'll they'll wait a year because if. In that case, if Easton Stick does suck, then you're getting a high pick. I I don't think that's even going to be a scenario. I don't even think that's in the question. I I think that's thrown out the window already. I'm pretty sure they're not looking at Easton Stick as a future uh, franchise quarterback at all. I think the entire plan behind Stick was to develop a backup that was mobile. That way you don't have to rely on him to throw the ball. Get a scheme going where you can kind of run what Baltimore does at a, at a, a a poor man's Baltimore. And uh, see if you can stay alive until your starting guy gets back. I think that's what they were going for with these and stick. All right, so you got all your guys ranked. Who do you think best fits the Chargers then? Um. So obviously, I think Love fits the Chargers best, but I'm gonna kind of step away from that because I've already showered love onto Love, and um.
5: Good one. Good one. <laughs> you need a T-shirt or something, dude. <laughs> <laughs> now I'll, I'll jump in here i think Fromm honestly fits what the chargers want or at you least think so? i think he fits the rivers mold the best i think i think he fits the rivers mold the best yeah, i don't think he
4: fits what the chargers
5: want that's fair that is fair you know i think anthony lynn does want a mobile quarterback which we talked about last time um but i think if you want a clean transition from rivers to a rivers clone like that's from i think if the goal here is to get someone who's mobile and and you know, the other day, I can't remember who it was, but someone tweeted out, like, the competition with Mahomes. If you're trying to get a guy with the highest ceiling who can compete and go head-to-head with um, with Mahomes, it's either Tua or Love. You know, I think Herbert would fit, but I don't, I don't think Herbert has that ceiling of the next gear where he could potentially be an MVP. Like, I think Love and Tua have the highest ceilings outside of Burrow that could potentially get to an MVP level. Love to
4: Denzel Mims, twenty twenty. Make it happen. The offensive rookie of the year and the rookie of the year will both be Jordan Love and Denzel Mims. So
5: you would st- you would
4: start Jordan
5: Love? Yeah,
4: right off the bat. I I I like Tyrod Taylor. I want to see Tyrod Taylor play. But when you draft Jordan Love, you need to you need to develop him on on the go. You need to see what he gives you. And I I truly think that love is the type of player that you put on the field immediately and have him grow that way with from, I think it's different. I think he needs to sit for a year. I don't think he needs to, but I think he should sit for a year and he'll develop better that way. But I think with love, I think you put him on the field right away.
5: Yeah. And a lot of that comes down to personal philosophy and coaching philosophy too. You know, even my home staff for a year. So I think I would not be opposed to whoever they take at six. If it's a quarterback, just sit him and let Tyrod play for a year, and then you you know you can get some more pieces for that quarterback next year, and kind of let Tyrod just kind of take the lumps, so to speak. Um, but again, you know we're not the coaches. That's Anthony Lynn's decision, and you know really this will come down to philosophy of of him and and uh, the offensive coordinator.
1: So Jason, on the last podcast you talked about Anthony Lynn, this coaching staff being really great about developing their players and taking the time to develop their players do you really think they'll go an entire year without their first string or
4: first round quarterback starting? I think it's different there because Mm. you're in a new stadium. You, you gotta, you gotta go and you gotta, you gotta get this, you gotta get this thing going. You can't just be patient and, uh, and wait to take your, to put your quarterback on the field. This is where you got to plug them in immediately. You got to sell tickets and you got to get people excited. And I think love is the guy to do that. Um, I don't think you can wait till round two and take a safe, quote unquote, option. I think you got to roll. You you gotta you gotta plug in the guy that you want. You gotta grow the fan base around him. You gotta get the kids to watch Jordan Love and go, oh, that's that's who we want to grow up to be. This is who we want to go watch. Dad, take me to go see Jordan Love. Uh, stuff like that. It's uh, that's that's how it's got to be. You can't just throw in Tyrod Taylor and play safe football. You gotta you gotta go all out.
1: Of these guys, of the rookies that you guys have ranked, which of them would make the best Week One starter in
5: 2020 on any team? So, personally, I think the most pro-ready guy is Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be the one that is going to be the rookie of your favorite. I think he's probably the best chance for the Chargers. I would say that would be Tua. My, you know, I I understand the health concerns. Yeah, I, I think that sitting him for a year would probably be beneficial. But if I have to choose a rookie to start from games 1 to 16, I think Tua has the the chops and the and the upside to to do that.
4: Yeah, I think it's Burrow. I I think best week 1 2020 starter, I think it's Burrow right off the bat. I think he just comes in and he's the most accurate. He has the best processor. Um, I think he just comes in and it's it's seamless for him. Now, you might I might say that if he's drafted to the Bengals, it might not look pretty, but I think he's the best week one starter. I think if you're looking for a week one starter, Burrow's your guy.
1: Do you think it's a little odd they might be drafting a quarterback in a couple of months and they haven't found a QB coach yet?
4: Uh, I did, yeah. You know, that's kind of interesting. I, I have this. Do you think they're waiting to decide as a team who they want at quarterback before they go get their coach? It seems
1: like it i'm not sure maybe they still have to go through the whole pre-draft process but i mean it's getting a little late and they did they just hired or promoted
4: everyone what yesterday two days ago right and it might be it might be that they're still debating do we want to roll with tyrod do we want to go get cam newton because there have been reports that they want cam newton that's not that's no rumor anymore they want cam newton so Maybe they're waiting for free agency to blow by. Maybe they try to trade yeah. for Cam Newton. Maybe they see if the Panthers let him go. And then they make their decision okay, what quarterback coach would fit with Cam Newton? Who can we get yeah. that fits with Cam Newton or Tyrod Taylor? Or if they want to, or maybe once they decide we don't want a free agent or it just doesn't work out, then they might decide,
5: okay, now we want a guy that can develop our rookie. Yeah, I so agree. That might be what they're waiting for. Yeah. I think if you if you bring in a veteran, like you're gonna want a guy that he's comfortable with. So I think that definitely is signaling that they are waiting for free agency to pan out. Until granted, they could still hire a guy in the next few days. You know, we don't know, but yeah,
4: they might do it tomorrow before a podcast comes out. Maybe it might happen. Yeah.
1: All right, that's it for this week. Next week we'll be covering two more positions. So stay tuned on Tuesday and Friday once again. Before we log off, Stephen, where can we find the podcast and yourself on Twitter and Jason? Where can fans find you?
5: So we just got on Apple, pod, on Apple Podcasts, which is huge. Um, we'll also tweet out the link on Buzzsprout, like we did this week. And then my personal Twitter account is Stephen I. Hagland, and I do run the podcast Twitter account, um, which is the Guilty As Charged podcast. GAC Podcast 17. Yes,
4: thank you. So we're still waiting on confirmation from a few from a few uh, playlists um, Google in particular has to find us. I can't submit to Google I've had a few people ask about that. I can't go to Google and say can you take my podcast can you approve it they go and search for it themselves and then they plug it in they'll find it within the next couple of weeks it's pretty much guaranteed now that I'm on now that we are on Apple Podcasts now that we got it all set and approved the Google will follow pretty quickly I think within the next week at the latest. But uh, we'll we'll get it up there. Um, I've already told people if it takes too long, I'll start calling and emailing them until they get like a a warrant for my arrest or something or or straining order. It, it it'll happen, guys. I'll I'll get it up there. All right, Jason, where can they find you on Twitter? So you can find me at Centauri Thirteen on Twitter, and um, well, you can just
1: you go find them and get mad at about the Herbert ranking.
4: Yeah. It, if you're really upset about the Herbert ranking at, at Centauri thirteen at me. Let's go. Send him all <laughs> the DMs too. He loves DMs. No, yeah, is- I don't don't DM me. Um <laughs> if you're if you're DMing me hate, I won't answer you. Okay? If you if you're asking me a legitimate question, um, then I'll answer you. Now, legitimate does not mean why why do you why do you hate Herbert, you loser? That's not a legitimate question. Well, I mean it is, but I'm not gonna answer you.
5: Yeah, I was kidding about the DMs. Do not DM him, please. It's okay. You can DM me. Just just be nice. <laughs> All right, so
1: what do you guys think of their rankings? Are they right? Are they wrong? Are they kind of off from where you guys are? Um, in particular, find a game. If you disagree with them, find a game where you think, hey, they said this about the quarterback, but I saw it completely different here. So share that with them. Create some started discussion. Uh, We're currently at 41 patrons on the Patreon, which means we are nine away nine from more. that. Yeah, nine more for that big football giveaway. And, you know, got a little more than 50, 59 more until our our, uh, Rivers helmet giveaway. But uh, that's it. So please join. Please comment. Please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. This is Tyler. You can find me at Tyler J. Shoon. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in.